welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. So I'm really excited to have Dr. Christina Cooper join us today. She's an experienced integrative GP with a wealth of expertise in a variety of areas, including intimacy coaching and female embodiment. So welcome, Christina. Hello. Great. I'm so happy you asked me to come here. Excellent. Excellent. So Christina, let's start by actually defining what does female embodiment mean? The term embodiment really means to be having an inner felt sense of the body, to be present in the body. It's a state of awareness. The more that connected we are to the signals we're receiving from our bodies, the more we can work out what is happening. Like we can read the signals and learn to use that as a compass, really, as a kind of inner compass. I love what you said about awareness because it sort of links to what we're going to talk about in terms of low libido. I love the webinar you gave a few weeks ago on tackling low libido. And for our listeners, this is available on the Usawa Learning platform on usawa.com.au. Now, one of the key questions that came up, one of the topics that we talked about, and this is where we'll start when it comes to low libido, is what are the common myths associated with sex drive? Because when we really think about it, where do we learn about our desires, about sex Mm -hmm. drive? It's almost we sort of accidentally fall into knowledge. So love for you to start with the myths around libido. Yeah, sure. I mean, the first one would be that libido, that it's kind of spontaneous rather than a practice like anything in life, whatever we practice or train at, it kind of gets better. And there's a myth that somehow we suddenly need to be experiencing high libido at the drop of a hat for no reason, sort of mean, no kind of that that somehow there's something wrong with us if we're not experiencing high libido. So firstly, that it has to be spontaneous. And I'll talk a bit more about that. But secondly, that there is a a certain level of libido, which is acceptable, rather than whatever is native to one's own person. And it is a spectrum. And some people experience high sexual desire, and some people experience low sexual desire, or even asexual. I mean, all of that is a spectrum, and it's totally normal, whatever is unique to you. It's to oneself, you know, whatever is unique to oneself. But it can also be that if you've noticed a change, that there might just be something which is balanced. Over the lifespan, of course, some things can change as well. So there's the issue of spontaneity. And to come back to that, often we don't prioritize pleasure. We think we're very reward driven in our society. Like we have a certain goals to achieve. When we achieve those goals, then we're rewarded. Like we clean the house and then we can have a biscuit or whatever. <laughs> like obviously it can be big, big and small, but that not that, that we have an innate right to pleasure, not that we have an innate right to feel good in our bodies, but actually we do. And the more we prioritize, that will become our habit and that will become then sort of most natural to us in our life. And that can start with very simple things like sitting down and having your cup of coffee in the morning and actually really making a conscious effort to be present with it and enjoying it. Like, what does it really taste like? What's the cup feel like in my fingers? Increasing our sensory awareness of our environment and inviting pleasure in that. So I guess the, the third thing would be about how we define pleasure. 
Because such thing with sometimes when we talk about libido and pleasure, that there's it might be an assumption that oh that means intercourse or it's somehow you know there's a kind of a jump to what does that actually mean? But pleasure actually is just pleasure. Quite simple. It's not like a goal of like oh if I have a clitoral orgasm that's pleasure or whatever, and I have to reach all these goals and then they're pleasure. You know, actually pleasure is for me is it's more like an awareness of body. You can invite an intention of pleasure there in any moment, regardless of what one is experiencing. And what's been my particular journey recently is it's inviting pleasure into the dark moments. So pleasure, even when it feels like there is no pleasure available to us, actually, what would it take for pleasure to be present in this moment? And not kind of going for fireworks, knowing that, okay, this is enough for this moment. This is appropriate for this moment. I'm experiencing this in this moment, and this can be pleasurable too. You know, maybe I'm experiencing sadness or anger and all these emotions, which are totally natural for us to experience. But at the same time, I can be aware of the tingling in my little toe that's touching the wood on the floor. And there can be a sense of pleasure there too. It's about not having to make everything right before you can kind of experience pleasure that you can prioritize in every moment. And the spontaneity, if we were to create that, that would simply be from engaging with that practice on a regular basis so that it becomes, in a sense, natural. Just like if we were to engage with practicing the piano a lot, it would become then more natural to go and play the piano. Yeah, there would be the three things. But, you know, leading on from that, our sense of libido, it's like a sense of ownership of our body as well. Because often in relationship, it's like we can put the responsibility for our pleasure onto the other person. And of course, together as two beings, we can come together and then create pleasure together and have an intention around that, but also not leaving it up to the other person who has to telepathically know what we desire and what we want and then has to tolerate whatever we're doing to them and vice versa. Part of that is owning our desires and knowing ourselves better and be able to communicate well. I love what you said, prioritizing pleasure. Now that can sound very foreign to many women and especially, you know, the women I see even just asking, you know, what brings you joy? Do you do things for yourself in the week? And often the answer is no, because it's about family or work or just getting things done. I'd love for us to chat more about how do you even start even in that headspace of doing nice things for yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's about reframing, really. It's kind of like as soon as we get into like the stress model or like a synthetic nervous system dominance, where we have all these like enormous list of tasks that have to be done, we kind of actually lose our lateral thinking. We lose our ability to kind of utilize our resources properly. So for me, it's like reframing, turning that all around, starting from a place of, okay, how can I approach the world from gratitude, from pleasure. And then what is really necessary will then unfold from there because we're all very good at making an endless kind of list of things to do. And and then if we get into that habit, we'll just, as soon as we have a spare five minutes, we'll just add another five things to the list and then feel overwhelmed about it and probably not do any of them. So it's knowing that good enough is good enough. Okay, this is good enough. Maybe the dishes aren't washed, but in this moment, it's more nourishing for me to go and have a 10 minute bath, you know, with some essential oils and to really enjoy that bath rather than thinking about the dishes. So it's giving oneself permission. I think with us women, it can be hard for us to give ourselves permission to actually do these things, but no one, ultimately no one else is going to give you permission for it. You know, it's kind of this expectation of I need to do this. My role as a mother, as a daughter, as a you know, working person, as a housekeeper, as a, you know, doing all the millions of things as an exercise. So we have all these different roles. But if we start them from a base of gratitude and pleasure, then it just makes all those 
things that we have to do more enjoyable because that's we're starting from that kind of baseline. And just starting from, you know, any practice can feel, if pleasure feels very foreign to one, it's kind of like maybe meditation practice might seem very foreign to somebody who's never meditated before or like going to climb a thousand meter hike. For, you know, a mountain. Anything that we're not in the habit of doing can feel very foreign and insurmountable, but it's just about breaking it down and into small chunks and just making a commitment to it. So maybe, okay, I'm going to start the day with two minutes of pleasure, whatever that is. Maybe it's just enjoying my coffee or maybe it's gifting myself with a kind of touch my body really likes in this moment. And what does my body actually really like in this moment? How can I open up communication with understanding myself and my body better? And that's an endlessly kind of intriguing journey. But if we're more sort of centered in this embodiment, in, in our felt sense, it becomes more apparent to us what's really important and also what's going to create the most for everybody. Ultimately, for me, it's really about how to expand into this vibration of love, not as ourselves as a separate island, because love doesn't exist as a separate island. Love is about dissolving the borders so that we're really in connection with all the people around us and also our natural world. But it doesn't exclude us. Like love doesn't exclude us. That's the thing. Love isn't about doing everything for everybody else and excluding us. That's more like either an external rule or kind of people pleasing. You know, that's just a program that we're often kind of raised with. But we have to take ownership of part in gifting ourselves love of including ourselves in the equation and not expecting other people to kind of do that for us. Because unless we value ourselves enough, unless we feel worthy, we're and engage in a practice of worthiness. So you may be coming from a place of feeling very unworthy to receive pleasure. But then, you know, it's about like fake it till you make it. Okay, well I'm still going to commit to this practice and just see what happens. Yeah, really good advice. And it sort of comes back down to perfection. Yeah. People don't start because they're seeking perfection. So it just holds them back. Exactly. Because we have a, a fixed idea of the outcome. So that's what I was alluding to with pleasure. Oh, you know, pleasure is more than just literal orgasm. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's sort of like if we don't have a fixed idea of what pleasure is, we can invite more of it to show up in our life like achievement and its success. So, you know, we can celebrate our successes at every point of the route. Let's say one is building a business. We don't have to wait till we have a turnover of a million dollars before we sort of celebrate success. You know, our first client might be, that's a success. It's like, from my perspective, my point of view is that that celebrating, that also brings in this positive, like rewiring of the brain for mm. success. So if you're engaging in pleasure, then you're also rewiring your brain for, for pleasure. You know, they've done lots of stuff about that as well. And if we get into this kind of alpha brainwave state, you know, our beta brain is our kind of calculating mind, someone that we need to do when we use when we're doing our taxes, you know, or some sort of complicating kind of, um, I don't know, mathematical puzzle or something like that. Alpha brainwave is a state of flow. So this might be the state like if you're playing tennis, and you're not really thinking about the ball, but you somehow connect with it. Or it might be when you're really listening to music, or it might be when you feel inspired to write something, some poetry, or you're inspired to just say the right thing at the right moment with a person who you feel really open and, and confident with. So it's a flow state. And this is where we get our best ideas. And we can only enter that when we're in a state of relaxation. Yeah. And so in order to receive more pleasure, it can be helpful to cultivate more of that state of relaxation. And pleasure also then creates relaxation. We get more of that alpha brainwave flow. We're then more resourceful, more creative. We think of solutions we wouldn't have thought of before. 
if anything, that's a great incentive <laughs> for people to stop <laughs> prioritizing pleasure. Because often we are looking for a reward. What does that mean? What does it look like? I love what you said. Yeah. You start really small or have a tiny win. Often it's even just a mental break because the brain's running 100 miles an hour with your long to-do list. And even having like what you said, you know, you're sipping your drink in the morning and just being fully aware of what you're doing instead of sipping a drink plus checking your emails or your phone. Yeah. yeah. And it's all about that journey on the way, isn't it? Not sort of waiting to retirement to enjoy your life. You, know, you can enjoy your moments right now. It's not like you're, you're waiting for some sort of someone else to tell you it's time. I mean, it's up to oneself to, to say it's time now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Christina, I'd love to go back to, you know, intimacy and conversations with our partner. So again, mm-hmm. it's sort of saying, you know, I'm never discussed it with the partner. It just happens. And you mentioned some really important points where in our mind, we expect to be spontaneous, ready whenever our partner's ready. And instead, you know, have those conversations about setting up a date night or something similar. Mm -hmm. Let's take it a step back. How do we even Mm -hmm. start having a conversation with our partner when we've never talked about it, talked about our desires? Yeah. Okay. So this is different from just general prioritizing pleasures is really looking at how can we engage with more intimacy with our partner and sexual energy being present. So rather than firstly, we just need to know what we actually want. And we might not know at the beginning what what we want, but we can kind of journey together and approach it as an adventure. So perhaps if we're going to look at like specific examples, let's say you wanting to explore something else in the bedroom with a partner, then some things that can be really helpful are to be mindful of approaching the dialogue with an open curiosity without as kind of expectation of outcome and using invitational language because this can be a very delicate subject for many couples so that you know there can be depending on the level of communication that's there already you know there can be a lot of assumptions or expectations or unmet expectations between the couple whereby one person might feel that they're being coerced into doing something they don't want to do and in order to people please the other person or that they somehow would withdraw their love if they're not doing something that actually might be sort of beyond their boundaries so it has to be approached with sensitivity and also that not to make either party wrong because sometimes, you know, especially if someone is feeling kind of insecure in the way that they relate sexually, they might just feel they're being told they're not good enough or something. So it just obviously needs to be approached with sensitive, more like a curiosity. Hey, what if? I was curious about X, Y, and Z. What kind of things might you be curious about? And you can pre note before even that conversation you know, it's always good to start from a point of success. Look, we've had this amazing relationship and I'm really curious and I love that we're the way that we're relating. These things X, Y, and Z work really well. I feel very nurtured and deeply held with these X, Y, and Z. And I'm wondering if we could bring an element of ABC in because these things are things I'm really curious about. And I'm really curious to hear what you think about it and are there is there maybe an ABC for you that you would be curious to kind of explore so it's sort of I think keeping that lightness of like respect and curiosity and letting go of assumptions and expectations and using invitational language is very helpful really really good advice sort of gave examples as well to how do you start that conversation it is curiosity and being gentle 
yeah, being gentle with oneself and with the other, letting go of feeling that one has to have all the answers because it, ultimately it's just an adventure. One could also, oh, I was listening to this podcast about these issues that made me think, oh, I'm curious about blah, blah, blah. You know, most people, you know, especially if we're talking about just related sexual pleasure, particularly is a lot of it we're not really taught about. It's more like, you know, sex ed in schools is all about condoms and bananas and what terrible infections one might get and don't get pregnant. It's not about pleasure or how to have a conversation about boundaries with a potential sexual partner or it's sort of, yeah, or a lot of other people, their learning about sex comes either directly or indirectly from the porn industry, you know, which is a very specific way of relating in the yeah. porn genre. You know, it's not like all that there is. But sometimes people think that that's all there is. Well, you know, it's from some, their mate told them this or, or they saw on the movies, it's supposed to be like this. So there's, there's a lot of programming that comes in that isn't necessarily native to oneself and one's own body. And until one knows one's own body better, one doesn't really know you know what one likes so you might have a desire to something oh can we try this and know that pleasure involves the entire body it's not just the genitals so you know with a partner might be curious to explore okay would it be interested for you to explore touch on our other parts of the body that we don't normally explore yeah just you know imagine that you're it's like being in in an adult sand pit (laughs) i have this toy truck to play with would you like to come and play with me how should we play with toy truck kind of thing sort of like how do we yeah just being curious about what else is possible really Awesome. Which sort of leads me on to my next question. So what's the first step that women can take towards tackling low libido? I mean, I think the first step would be really acknowledging what's going on and not making it wrong and not judging themselves would probably be the first thing. A lot of women carry a lot of shame around their body, around libido. And and again, it's just a lot of societal programming around how we're meant to be. Perhaps there are things that need to be taken care of first, like energy, sleep, you know, eating well, utilizing support, asking for help, you know, communicating with a partner and I'm not shying away and hiding from what's going on, just noticing. Mainly if there's been a change. So if, let's say, someone has experienced a a certain feeling of libido in their body and then that hasn't been present for them. So again, I want to get away from making the assumption that that all women are supposed to sort of have a certain amount of libido because it's it's just very, very different for every person, you know, and every woman or anyone who identifies as a woman. So it's kind of acknowledging, okay, this is ex- this is how I feel in the moment, and do I feel vibrant? What's what's going on with me? And if has there been a change? And if there's been a change, okay, well, not making oneself feel bad about it, just noticing that there's a change. That acknowledgement helps helps anyone move forward. Like whatever we're willing to acknowledge, no matter how grief laden or uncomfortable it is, that brings it out of shadow into the light, and then it can be seen clearly can be seen clearly for what it is and then we can choose to make changes that will support a different state of being if that's what we're wanting to do. Absolutely and such really useful for Christina and that kind of sort of makes me think about you know you offer intimacy coaching and I love for our audience mm. what does that actually mean because that's different to sex therapy it's not apology. Yeah it's not therapy it's mainly helping people feel more connected to themselves and they can be related to libido but it's, it's just to get a more of a sense of inner compass and it might involve I mean intimacy in all respects so it might be an intimacy with one's thoughts so it might be a journey into how women can in their own space outside 
outside the coaching, be guided to explore themselves with intimacy sexually to get to know their body better. It's like all of life can be intimate if we allow it in. So there's like many layers to that really, like how willing we are to become vulnerable to what's really true for us and what's and be really present with yeah what's important what's happening what we can change what programs might be running what shadows we're running from you know i've been very interested in the subconscious mind for a long time done a heap of different trainings around that and really working on our inner ecology so i see it as like a merging of working on the inner ecology of the mind like the rainforest of the mind with the body to kind of marry those two together the mind and the and the body and being able to yeah, have a, a clearer compass. I think this is it. A compass to guide our life that's that's really unique to us. It's like it's a, we're not carbon copies of each other. We might have similar patterns of desire, similar patterns of communications, and similar patterns of things that we want to create in our life. But it, on the specific level, it's very, very different. Like it, very different for each unique individual. So that's kind of the, the philosophy behind it. And then the practical things, I guess, about it would be, yeah, teaching people like practical ways of being in touch with their body, teaching about orgasms. I love teaching about orgasm and, yeah, and how to relate with other people from a, a space of intimacy, which, you know, if we were able to do that and stay, you know, rest in vulnerability, rest in what's true for us and be able to move forward without having to armor up, that is actually a tremendous power because we always stay on, stay grounded, like regardless of whatever is happening in our lives. And we can always find our center in the darkest moments. Yeah, I feel very honored to be able to help people do that, you know, to move from their challenges with a state of grace. Beautifully said. And for our listeners, we will send the links of where you can contact Christina for intimacy coaching. But before we leave you, Christina, I'd love for you to share a story of how you've balanced your professional and personal life? Like what challenges have you faced and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. As you know, as a doctor, (laughs) we have a lot of programs actually around people pleasing, around, oh, I have to do more. I'm not good enough. Perfectionism. And we have to kind of achieve these goals are very success driven and very then mind driven. The mind is a wonderful tool. Like I love all the sort of biochemical protocols like that kind of flash into my brain and I can kind of see the cells and all that. But at the same time, one can get kind of lost in that. It can kind of become a bit of a rabbit hole and we can lose connection with our humanity. So my journey has really been about like integrating the mind and the heart and the body in a spiritual path. I see it very as sort of spiritual work. And that's led me to look at all sorts of different things, like from being in the Amazon, working with plant medicine to working with subconscious mind, to doing energy healings, to you know, doing integrative nutritional stuff. And then working with sexuality, which is a very taboo subject, but I, I love shadow work. So I, I guess for me, it's been a very wild ride and like following this gem, following this intangible guide, which is actually myself and having the courage to do that and the self-respect to do that, regardless of all the voices around you about you should be doing this and you should be doing that and why are you doing X, Y, and Z? And, and that only comes from a space of being able to hold oneself with honor and with deep love. And I don't see that as separate from anything or anyone. It's like the more I'm able to hold another in deep honor and deep love, the more I discover my capacity for within myself 
So I'm not advocating becoming island and going off and just doing your thing on your own because it's actually still <laughs> missing the point. So it's being open and willing to receive universal assistance, knowing that there are resources there, making the choice to feel deeply held in the universe in the darkest moments when we feel completely abandoned. I would say that's been my kind of, that's a kind of ongoing, ongoing journey. Um, adventure. <laughs> love yeah. it. Absolutely love it. And what made you think like that? Was it just embarking on that journey and seeing the rewards and sort of invited you to keep going, keep going on that journey? I think it's just asking the question, you know, what else is possible here? You know, I think as kids, we're often so open to magic. We're so open to all things being possible. And then we get layered in with the conditioning of, oh, you have to choose this. You have to make everything into boxes to make it understandable. So I think it's being willing to stand in the majesty of what is incomprehensible. Love it. That's probably it. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Packed with lots and lots of information. So we really hope that you enjoyed this episode. And I'm sure we're going to bring Christina back. There's so much more to talk about. Thank you, Christina. Thank you so much for having me here. It's, it's been really fun. Thank you. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take-home message today? Remember, it's all about progress and not perfection. Curious to learn more? Visit usawa.com.au and click on the Usawa Learning Platform, which is packed with educational videos, including the six-week stress-free challenge. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey.